AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. It is almost Thanksgiving, and that means it is time to give thanks for the bird that helps to make the tradition worth celebrating. No, Davis, I am not talking about some weird loon-sounding black swan. We are talking turkey. Live from a gobble-gobble stravaganza via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we are talking turkey. Greta Irwin of the Iowa Turkey Federation and Dr. Don Coltes. Then it's our Farmer Forum with Ben Slinger and John Zimmerman. Right after the news, Margie Eckelkamp from The Scoop. I'm the handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip LaFore. All right, Davis. Yeah, man. Here we are. Just one more day, and then it's it's time. Yeah. It, it's time to... Uh, Really, kind of test your abilities. Yeah, you know, you know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about your your ability mm-hmm. to fill a plate, clean it, yeah. fill it again, yeah, clean it, get mm-hmm. a piece of pie, yeah. You know, it it it's all gonna it's all gonna be tested tomorrow. You ready for it? Well, and here's the thing: I've kind yeah. of painted myself in a corner because oh. I've I've got a new suit for a e- very specific, important occasion on Saturday. Yeah. Right. I'm hoping the pants still fit because I've well, got two. I've got two turkey days to attend, and uh, yep. I, you know, you you get to float. You load up the plate. The I food gets to moving for this. Well, actually, I did buy a second pair of pants to go with the suit, one size well, bigger. So there you go. I'm ready. There you go. That's just <laughs> smart planning, right there. It's, it's either true. that. It's either <laughs> it's either that or you can go with you know I think they make like stretch blue jeans now so you uh-huh. can go with that you, you know oh, something that, like that that wouldn't be a bad way to go I hear Weissmeyer's right. a big fan of the stretch blue I jeans. hear that he yeah. is too yeah. from what I Absolutely. understand uh-huh. welcome to AgriTalk I'm your host Chip Flory that is Davis we have got a lot of turkey ground to cover today indeed no question about that we'll find out about some of the latest research. Efforts that are happening at Iowa State University, a new facility Great. there mm-hmm. at Iowa State uh, that is is uh, bringing some real-life experience to the next generation of turkey growers. So we'll learn about that. And then Farmer Forum, uh, it's going to be really cool. Ben Slinger is, the, uh, is with the Iowa Turkey Federation, president of the Iowa Turkey Federation. And John Zimmerman is on the board of directors at the National turkey federation both are are turkey producers and i'll give you a little hint they're producing turkeys for different markets so we'll find out how that is done why that is done and and why it makes a difference in those barns so should be interesting all right buddy let's get to the news what do you got well we've got a daily sale from usda uh reported here One hundred ten thousand metric tons of beans sold to china for delivery during the 22 23 Marketing year, not a We've huge sale, but it. you like to see those daily sales. Exactly. We've been looking for another one of those, and we've it, it's been missing for a few days. It's nice to get that back in here. We've, we're have we not seeing much of a reaction to it in the bean market, but it's nice to have a sale. 
Well, Chip, the number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits rose by 17,000 to 240,000 in the weekend of November 19. That's the most since August and well above expectations. The sharp increase pointed to a looser labor market as the Federal Reserve has raised its target funds rate by 375 basis points since March. Yeah, we'll get the minutes to the latest FOMC meeting uh, this afternoon, 1 o'clock Central. Well, the USDA has mailed survey codes to all known U.S. ag producers with the invitation to respond online to the 2022 Census of Ag at agcounts.usda.gov. The census is the nation's only comprehensive and impartial ag data uh, for every state, country, and territory. By completing the survey, producers across the nation can tell their stories and help generate impactful policies to better serve them and future ag producers. We talked with NAS Administrator Hubert Hamer about the census of ag yesterday on the AM show. Give it a listen. Yep. Well, a threatened December 9 strike over attendance and sick leave pay would shut down the nation's major freight and passenger rail service, crippling the economy right before the holidays. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley argued recently for President Biden to step in, saying a strike cannot be allowed to happen. Congress has the power to impose the deal that was previously negotiated. I'm a co-sponsor of the bill. There is much at stake, so hopefully Congress doesn't have to act. But I'm going to be an advocate for acting if we have to. Well, Chip, in other news, the U.S. and its allies could agree to a price cap on Russian oil at $60 per barrel as early as today after months of discussion. G7 countries and Australia expect to enforce the price cap beginning December 5. High input prices have helped fuel debate over the next farm bill. At a recent Senate Ag Committee hearing, high diesel prices mean high food prices as farmers and truckers struggle to pay an average of nearly five thirty per gallon, up a buck fifty or so from a year ago. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville says farmers in his state are in trouble. We're losing them in our state. I don't know about the other states, but you know, with diesel so expensive, with fertilizer so expensive, urban people are moving south to Alabama and. You can't blame our farmers for selling out because they can make a living. They can make money off their land. And uh, sooner or later, we're going to have to figure out we're going to have to eat in this country. <laughs> Good point. Uh, Tommy says it straight right there, doesn't he? He really does. Yeah, it's a great yep. clip. Uh, National Sorghum Producers applauds USDA's risk management agency enhancing coverage for irrigated grain and sorghum producers. And more than 30 agribusinesses and farm organizations will vi- visit Madrid, Spain, Delegation members will engage directly with potential buyers from Spain and Portugal. Chip. All right, Davis, thank you very much. Let's bring in Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop. Good morning, Margie. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Chip. I come with an attitude of gratitude. Outstanding. I love that. And an attitude of gratitude for the 40 Under 40 awardees. Tell us about it. You are spot on, Chip. This is our third year where we have had an opportunity to put the spotlight on emerging leaders in ag retail who just so happen to be under 40 years of age, right? So for the past three years, we have accepted nominations of those serving throughout ag retail. So really all facets, all roles, but all of these folks in every segment that they work to best 
serve farmers. All three years, this program has been sponsored by our friends at New Farm. And we're also very proud that these awardees for 2022 come from across the country. So if folks want to check out the full list, it will be published in an upcoming issue of The Scoop, but it's also available now at thedailyscoop.com. And I also would like to share, we will be featuring interviews with some of these outstanding professionals on The Scoop podcast here next month and in the new year. All right. Excellent. Give us a quick highlight of what you're looking for in selecting the 40 under 40. Yeah. So we ask each awardee, whether they be self-nominated or nominated by a peer, to tell us what their favorite part of being that trusted advisor to farmers in and really get at the heart of why they do what they do. And we also ask for their community service. And so we're very proud to highlight how these people are not out all, not only outstanding professionals, but just outstanding in the way that they serve the communities where they live and work. Fantastic. Good stuff. That's going to be really interesting uh, to listen to on the Scoop podcast. And of course, getting more details at www.thedailyscoop.com. Thank you, Margie. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. That is Margie Echelkamp, editor of the Scoop. We're going to get the turkey talk started next. Greta Irwin. And Dr. Don Coltes from Iowa State. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Yeah, I, I have stretch blue jeans. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Good for you, Jim. Good for you. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning. Davis Michelson is along for the, uh, for the conversation about Turkey. And let's yep. get it started right now. Greta Irwin is the executive director of the Iowa Turkey Federation. She joins us right now. Greta, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? I'm wonderful, Chip. So great to visit with you this morning. Yeah, I'm glad that you are here. We've also got Dr. Dawn Coltes. She is the Assistant Professor of Animal Science at Iowa State University. Dawn, welcome to AgriTalk. Thank you. Be, right. It's nice to be here, Chip. 
Good, good, good. Glad that you are here. Uh, we've got a lot to a lot of ground to cover. Greta, I want to start with you. What's the status of the turkey supply in Iowa and across the country? I mean, there's been talk of a potential turkey shortage. They're building it up out there on some of the mainstream media uh, heading into Thanksgiving 2022. But it seems like if you if you want a turkey, you can find a turkey, right? Exactly, Chip. If you want a turkey, you can find a turkey. There is a ample supply of turkeys out there. A lot of variety of options from sizes to just turkey breast meat, whatever the consumer is desiring, um, it should be available in the stores. And, you know, supplies maybe be a little tight um, in some cold storages, but the industry and the grocers prepare for this and they're going to make sure consumers have a turkey at Thanksgiving. Right. You know, it, the the supply is there, but I don't want to diminish the impact uh, that that high path avian influenza has had on on the turkey industry. It, it it's been another 2022 has been another struggle of a year, hasn't it? It has, Chip. You know, high path AI is the last thing that any turkey farmer wants to recognize in their turkey flock. So our industry has been working very focused and very diligently on how do we continue to protect our birds from those wild birds that are migrating north or south and making sure that the viruses that are in that wild bird population does not come into contact with our domesticated turkeys. So um, lots of things are happening, lots of new information is being learned, and I think we're going to continue to get better and more aware of how to protect our turkeys because I don't think this threat's going to go away anytime soon. Right, right. You know, the when the last time that the high path AI hit 2015, it, the industry wasn't as prepared for it. It wasn't as, uh, yeah, it wasn't as prepared for how to deal with it. But boy, it seems like the lessons that were learned the last time around, um, <laughs> the it, it's lessened the impact on the supply disruptions out there. The wholesalers, the processors, everybody has done a better job of dealing with it, correct? Correct, Chip. I mean, our farmers are better prepared of how to recognize it and to quickly respond. Our State Department of Agriculture, as well as USDA, have really committed to trying to depopulate those turkeys within 24 hours. Because as we understand with viruses, if you eliminate the host, the virus ceases to exist. So it's so important that those birds are quickly depopulated. The farmers are allowed to clean and disinfect quickly. And that really has made a difference in 2020 versus 2015. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, Dawn, let's talk about the new facility there at Iowa State University. Uh, new production research facility opened up back in May. Tell us about it. Yes, yeah, so um, the Stanley Balloon Teaching and Research Facility uh, was dedicated in May. And it was about three weeks ago that we actually placed our first pulse. Uh, so this facility is, uh, yeah, it's very cool. Um, this facility is one that we are going to utilize to uh, reach our land grant mission here at Iowa State University, which is teaching um, by educating students on turkey production. It's research by looking at different production parameters that can be altered to make the bird most efficient, um, as well as maybe biosecurity practices that we can help yeah. supply producers with that will help out with things like high path avian influenza. And that last piece, which is outreach and extension 
which is to showcase the turkey industry to uh, folks that are in the area or those that come to visit and want to see what what it looks like to raise a turkey yeah. in a very safe manner for that bird. Okay. Um, you, you said the poults uh, just arrived like three weeks ago, 1,800 poults in that new facility. What does that mean for the students there at Iowa State? What kind of experience are they going to gain from this? So the students themselves can come in and help raise those birds. Uh, so it gives them a lot of hands-on experience. And we know that that experiential learning is a great way to get people interested, involved, and to become passionate about an industry. So that's just one of the, the mechanisms is just letting them see, touch, feel, and experience what it's like to raise holes. Um, the other end of it is the engineering side where students get to come in and you know work with controllers and heaters and ventilation systems and actually Excellent. see how it works from that side. So we're not just targeting animal science students. We're also getting those ag engineers involved as well. Outstanding. Outstanding. I love hearing that. Uh, the Balloon Turkey uh, Teaching and Research Facility, Greta, it, it had been talked about for quite some time, correct? And, and now it's here. Yeah, you're right, Chip. The turkey industry has long desired to really get our questions answered on how can we better care for our turkeys. And I get questions from my farmers who have been raising turkeys for two or three generations of how do we better feed the turkeys? What are some of the new ingredients that we can utilize to enhance the health of our turkeys? And so the turkey industry really came together and we fundraised the money to build this facility through private donations. We have equipment dealers and companies that have stood beside us and helped make sure this facility gets done to industry standards. And so it's really been a collaborative effort of the university, of the turkey industry, and the turkey farmers all coming together with that clear vision to just want to know more information of how to do things better. Yeah, Greta, as I was looking at at the new facility there and, and looking back at how it was funded and everything, this, this really is an industry and farmer funded effort there at Iowa State, isn't it? It really is. And yeah. we're so excited to be able to work with those students and to tell our story. So when you enter the facility, there's a vestibule area that has lots of educational materials and photos and areas for people to see the turkeys. So people can come out, learn more about the turkey industry, and just share our excitement of the great job Iowa turkey farmers do, turkey farmers across the United States do, to make sure we have a safe and abundant turkey on the table for consumers across the United States. Okay, is it located out there south of campus, well, south of the towers? It is, yep, right okay. out there with the other research facilities. Right, right. Yeah, if anybody, if you are familiar with where the research facilities are there at Ames, um, it should be easy enough to find the new facility. Uh, Dawn, what about the, we, we talked about what this facility means for uh, for students there at Iowa State, what about for the industry? How is the industry going to benefit from the research done there? Well, we're hopeful that the uh, industry will benefit quite substantially from it. Um, we designed the, the facility to answer and address lots of questions that we know that the industry has had, whether it's what to add into that feed, how to ventilate the birds to have proper cooling, um, the only thing that we can't really test within the barn itself is going to be disease challenges. And we hope right. we don't naturally inoculate within that. 
Um, right. But we hope that we can address a lot of the applied questions that they have. Um, and they have questions. We've been hearing them um, as a as a researcher. I've been hearing them. And so I'm excited to get started and, and address some of those questions for those producers. Excellent. What's been the reaction of the students to getting, you know, getting uh, some polls in there? Uh, the students have been uh, very excited. Yeah. And as we've been talking about the the building of the facility, they have been, um, you know, coming in and seeing it at various stages. They've been very excited to get out there. And I know after break, um, I'm sure we'll have some students that are going to want to go out and probably eat breakfast with the Pulse or lunch at some yeah. point. Um, <laughs> not to say I haven't done that once or twice already. <laughs> Love hearing that. Love hearing that. Real quick, Greta, what's the condition of the turkey industry in Iowa across the country? Well, the turkey industry still continues to be very strong here in the Midwest, especially Um we have a strong turkey growing and processing industry. Um, Iowa seventh in production, fifth in processing. And as we celebrate Thanksgiving and the turkey in the center of the table, I think down the road, we really need consumers to continue to embrace purchasing turkey and making sure that that consumption continues so that the supply is there with the higher cost that all protein groups are facing right now. So um, things are good but I think everyone's just a little hesitant of how does the economy hold going forward yeah. to make sure that costs and profits can stay in line. Gotcha. Greta, keep up the good work there as executive director at the Iowa Turkey Federation. Thank you for making time. Anytime, Chip. I'm happy to talk right. to you. Excellent. And Dr. Don Coltis, uh, assistant professor of animal science at Iowa State. Thank you so much. We'll be back with the farmer form in a moment. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, Timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now in Brian Grady's stead, our very own Chip Flory. Chip, let's flip the script a little bit and talk energies. Okay. I'm looking at the Jan WTI crude contract down more than three dollars sixty cents at seventy seven twenty eight right now. Yeah, yeah, and that's putting a little bit of pressure on the soybean oil market, but boy, not much at all. Just some slight pressure on soybean oil. I want to turn your attention further down the page, Davis, and look at that natty gas market. Oh. It, it has yeah. absolutely taken off. Look at what's happened the last three days in that natty gas market. It is a clear breakout to the upside in there as we get into, you know, the heart of the heating season here in the U.S. and in Europe. So this is uh, something that obviously we're going to have to pay very close attention to. Uh, just real quick, the January, January natty gas contract 
$7.85. Oof. I, yes, oof. When it went to 5 bucks like five years ago, everybody was losing their mind. Here we are yeah. at almost 8 bucks. Well, um, oh, go ahead. Well, you talked about that pressure on soybean oil. Had a daily yep. sale of soybeans, lower in yep. the beans, but uh, coming back. Yeah, coming back. And a lot of that is led by a move to the upside in the corn market. We've also got the wheat market fighting back. Spring wheat market is actually trading with some solid gains in there right now. The front uh, front fat cattle don't know if they want to be positive or negative today. Yeah. yeah, not a lot of volume left in that December contract. No question about that. You get into the February contract, we've got some moderate pressure on, on the fed cattle market. A little bit of concern about what's going on in the cash market. Feeder cattle reacting to the, the comeback in the corn market with some lower prices. And lean hogs are mixed going into uh, the, the holiday trade. That's our beloved host for Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk. What more do you need to know? David. So, Davis, you got to be careful yeah. in how you're going to answer this, but I want to—I've got to ask you. I mean, some for some reason, yeah. yeah, some have gotten away from, as Greta just said, putting that turkey in the center of the table on Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. gone to some alternative proteins yeah. uh, for the for the Thanksgiving table. You're still a turkey guy, aren't you? I'm absolutely a turkey yes. guy, Tra- traditional all the way, stuffing, yes. mashed potatoes, and gravy cranberries i mean give it to me i'm doing i'm actually bringing a lovely broccoli salad with grapes and sunflowers and bacon in it so there's bacon represented but it's a subtle role it's a supporting role to the uh to our beloved bird my opinion my opinion Mm -hmm. one of the most important roles of the cranberry relish in the whole thing Mm -hmm. is on the leftover turkey sandwich on the sandwich next day on the sandwich Yes, agree. Oh, that's such a nice little mm-hmm. tang. Mm-hmm. That I mean, if you're looking for hints on how to treat those leftovers from Thanksgiving, yeah. I'm your guy. I'm yeah. your guy. You can get a little uh, experimental and some really good things happen. All right, let's get to this farmer form right now. We've got Ben Slinger uh, from Ellsworth, Iowa. Ben, how are you? Welcome to the Farmer Forum. Doing good, Chip. Thanks for having me today. Excellent. Ben is also the president of the Iowa Turkey Federation. Tell us about your operation up there in central Iowa. Uh, everything's going pretty good here. We got, uh, oh, I, with the family here, about 850,000 turkeys we raise a year. Um, we raise them year, year long. So heavy toms, we're putting these on the center of the table at Thanksgiving. Uh, our birds uh, end up uh, more for the slicing side of, of the industry. So in the deli counters and at your subways and things like that. Okay, what did you call them? Heavy toms? Yeah, so you have tom, hens and toms, uh, and, yep. and uh, we raise uh, toms. So we don't okay. have the hens. They're a little smaller, tend to be more for the for the Thanksgiving dinner table. Okay, so well, we'll talk more about that market uh, here in just a little bit because there are some differences in there. As we're going to discover right now, we've got John Zimmerman uh, from Northfield, Minnesota. Is that right, John? That is correct, John. Or that's correct, Chip. Thanks for having me. All right. You bet. You bet. Now, that's just south of Minneapolis, right? Correct. About an hour south of Minneapolis. Okay. Very good. John is also a member of the Board of Directors of the National Turkey Federation. Uh, Tell us about your operation, John. 
Well, we raise uh, further processed toms, the heavy toms also, and then also heavy hens. We have other people in within our Ferndale Marketing Group who raise the light hens, which you'd see on Thanksgiving. But currently, we're raising for uh, the raised without antibiotic market and more some niche markets locally produced. Uh, we also have some free range birds in our system. Okay. You know, <laughs> you guys, when we talk about the different markets that are produced for, I mean, we've, we've, we've heard heavy toms, heavy hands, light hands, light toms. Uh, what'd you call them? Free rangers? Yeah. We produce some birds that are still raised outside for a specific okay. market. Okay. Uh, there's all kinds of niche markets for this. Isn't there bad? I mean, it, it it may be a countless number of markets that are available to a turkey producer. You know, Mark, I, I guess you'd say marketing is helped with some of that. But yes, uh, there's there's definitely some different niche markets. Uh, whether you're you're looking at ABF or, or a hen or a tom or or they want them raised outside, a lot of different options there. And and our industry has embraced that and and continues to try to to help give what the uh, what the customer wants. Okay, so. Ben, the heavy toms going to the slicing market. Where do you where, where do where does most of the meat from the birds that you produce? Where does it end up? Uh, you know, a lot of so uh, through through the processing plant that we process through, um, a lot of it stays stateside. Uh, so we're not into the international markets too much, but uh, we're we're focused mainly in uh, in the food service industry, and then a little bit behind the deli counters in the uh, grocery store. So um, you know, one of the big ones for us is Subway. So a lot of Subway sandwiches sure. are made with products. Yes. Yeah, you know that's that's exactly what I had in my in my head was all the different sub shops that are out there. I mean, the the what they put turkey on, John. The, those sub shops put turkey on just about everything, don't they? Turkey is uh, you know one of your best economical sources of protein. So and it, and it can take on almost any flavor. So there's really uh, any place you can put any sort of protein, turkey can be put in there, and and you know the flavor profile is such that you can make it taste however you want it and uh, suit a number of different palates. Yeah. You know, we, we've talked a few times on the show about how uh, the dairy industry has done such a wonderful job of working with companies like uh, Domino's uh, to increase the amount of cheese that's on the pizzas, not just here in the U.S. market, but internationally. Those relationships between the Iowa Turkey Federation, the National Turkey Federation, John, speak to that because – developing the product and and domestic market for for what you're producing is, is a is a very important important role of the turkey federation isn't it oh oh definitely and we have a really yeah. new exciting project coming out right now that it's called turkey smoke and tailgate with turkey where we're, um, you know with after covid a lot of people got very interested in backyard barbecuing, smoking meats, and whatnot. And so we've uh, partnered with uh, KCBS, the Kansas City Barbecue Society, to try to get to elevate the interest of smoking and grilling turkeys. And we've been very successful to the point where we are now involved in the national barbecue competitions and are getting turkey to be an actual category in some of these competitions. So it's a, it's a new way to use turkey, and we're seeing uh, increased interest in people wanting to you know spend those you know, you're sitting there with a cold beer and spending eight to 10 hours with a turkey on the yeah. smoker. And there's people who love doing that. And there's just a lot of excitement around this new project we're doing. That's really cool. 
Really cool. I want to talk just a little bit more about all these different markets out there because the end users, Ben, if if they have a, something specific that they are looking for, now do they reach out to the growers and contract for that that production? You know, I need X number of birds weighing X for, for our market. How does that work? You know, a lot of that's done through the processing plants and through their marketing teams uh, to find out what those demands are. And then that information gets passed uh, through the company and then on down down the chain. Um, you know, it, for a long time, we we did just a lot of, of just heavy toms and, and uh, we're entering into the anti- antibiotic free market now, too, uh, just as we see more demand for that. And, and we're picking up some of that kind of business. Um, we're adding that to, to our portfolio as well um, within uh, our company uh, together. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um the uh, the high path, uh, John. How has that changed? How you raise birds? The high path AI, avian influenza. We were talking about it with Greta. Uh, it has had an impact. 2022 was a struggle uh, in in many ways for many producers. How has it changed the way that you do things? Well, you know, going back to 2014, 2015 outbreak, we've, as Greta said, we've, we've learned a lot and we've updated our biosecurity. We've put in Danish entry systems, which are pretty common in the hog industry and are very common in the poultry industry. And I think that's really limited our lateral spread or barn to barn spread. We're lucky in this area in Southern Minnesota that we're somewhat isolated. And that's why we can still do some free range, you know, uh, birds outside certain times of the year, but we're very careful with how we do that. But, uh, you know, we're, we're just much more vigilant than we have been in the past. We watch, you know, where are the wild birds? Um, the Audubon Society has a website that talks about the migration. And, you know, if we, we're just much more careful with how we proceed and do things. And that coupled with biosecurity, uh, I think we've come a long way in managing this disease outbreak. But it's still in a, it's still a struggle. And as Greta said, we're going to have to learn to live with that. And that's you know, we're going to have to be looking at maybe some vaccination possibilities in the near future to deal with this. Yeah. John, I don't mean to bring up any bad memories if you've had to deal with an outbreak, but have you? I have been lucky on my own farm to not have one. We've had a neighbor Good. within several miles deal with it. So we've had, we've been inside the control zones and had, have had to limit our um, transportation and get permitting to do some certain things in the past. But luckily I've never had one of my farms directly affected. All right. All right. Ben, what about you? Have you had to deal with with the uh, with, with the calling of birds? Unfortunately, not as lucky as John. Uh, yes, okay. we uh, we did end up with one in 2015 and, and we're on the learning side and uh, of this whole whole disease. And then um, here in 2022, myself personally, not affected a family member here uh within our organization had a farm uh, get affected. And so we had a depop uh, there as well. Um, and then had a couple others real close to us. So similar to what John was talking about, uh, a lot of um, a lot of permitting and, and working with our Iowa Department of Agriculture to yeah. uh, make sure we're getting stuff done and, and cleaned up and, and done safely. Ben, how was the reaction of officials different in 2022 than what it was in 2015? We learned, I think the big, the big thing we learned in 2015 to, to reduce the, the spread or, or the shed of this virus was to depop as quick as possible. Um, we weren't so, we weren't so quick on that because we were learning that in 2015, I would say in 2022, the big thing 
there was um, how fast we moved into depopulation. So within 24 hours of determining that we, we had a positive site uh, and we've cleared uh, that that is for sure AI, uh, high path AI, um, we had barns depopulated within 24 hours. So huge, huge part there, huge role in, in helping us keep this thing kind of under control. Yeah, the, the learning curve in 2015 was so steep and the lessons that, that we have taken from 2015 into 2022 and it, they, they've made the entire industry that much better at dealing with the virus and going forward, what we learn in 2022 is going to help us in the future. Uh, there's, there is no question about that. Okay, we are talking turkey on the Farmer Forum today. We've got Ben Slinger, president of the Iowa Turkey Federation, John Zimmerman, turkey producer up there in Northfield, Minnesota. When we come back, other challenges. Uh, All livestock producers, all protein producers are dealing with higher costs. How's that impacting your production? We'll talk about that next here on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on Agritalk. Welcome back to it, everybody. TikTok, TikTok, your pal Davis Michelson here. Before we get back to the Farmer Forum, let's sneak in today's Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on Agritalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. Greetings and hello, Kansas. Shout out to Central Kansas, Marion County. Quote, wheat stands look much better after three inches of rain. Double crop soybeans still too green to finish. Yields in the fields brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic. Chip. All right. That was from a while ago. But yeah, the, the, the wheat crop over there, it really came on strong. All right. Thank you, Davis. You Let's get back to the Farmer Forum with Ben Slinger from Iowa, John Zimmerman from Minnesota, both are turkey producers. Okay, guys, so during the break, the Big Apple Joe, myself, Davis, we're kind of talking about favorite ways for turkey. I got to ask you guys, Ben, let's start with you. What's the best way to serve turkey at the Slinger house? We we pretty much keep it the old school way as well. So it's still in the oven for Thanksgiving, uh, along with all all the fixings uh, uh, that typically go on Thanksgiving Day. So that's that's our go to. Otherwise, throughout the year, uh, turkey tenderloins are one of our fa- favorite marinated on the grill, kind of the way yeah. to go for us. And then the occasional sliced uh, deli meat sandwich. Yeah, yeah, excellent. You know, I should tell you also, uh, thirty four years ago, my wife and I served smoked turkey at our wedding reception 
that that's how popular the smoked bird was with with us what about you john yeah like i mentioned with the turkey smoke competitions coming up we've uh we've uh, gotten a lot of new recipes for how to smoke a turkey so i've got a pellet grill and we use that thing religiously i will smoke a turkey before anything else and we do several a year uh 20 below 80 degrees above we're smoking a turkey <laughs> i love hearing that love hearing that okay so guys some of the comments from from, from earlier about the different kind of niche markets the free range birds the no antibiotic birds John, is there a risk that the, the the birds with specific traits like that will make the traditional bird, you know, inferior or or do you think there's room for everybody in the market? I think there's room for everybody. Like like Ben said, we're the consumers in the driver's seat and we're just producing what the customer wants and we just happen to have a customer base here in you know, I'm very close to the metro area that wants a locally produced product, and a lot of them want raised without antibiotics or some of these other niche markets, and we're producing for that customer. But we still produce a lot of conventionally raised birds, too, and that's going to be your primary um, choice, I think, in the future because it, a lot of it's based on cost, and these niche markets cost more money to do. So, you know, it, it's it's all about being, meeting consumer demand, and if they want to pay a little extra for some of these special products, we'll gladly produce it for them. But it's not yeah. definitely not the majority. Yeah. Okay. Ben's same kind of attitude there towards these niche markets. Yeah. John is spot on, you, okay. you know, it, exactly what he said. Consumer is definitely in the driver's seat. Um, they're small markets. Uh, we grab onto them when we can, but like he said, there's a price difference there. So, um, you know, I don't think we'll ever see the conventional Tom go away. Yeah. Yeah. That the, the sub shops are too critical too ingrained in our culture out here now to see that traditional tom and the slicing bird uh go away the uh, yeah no question about that some other challenges uh ben where do you get your feed do you produce your own feed so we have a feed mill right here in ellsworth that uh we work with and, and are part owners of um that we make our feed with uh working with nutritionists um to uh formulate our diets and and uh take care of that so you know i think where you're going with this a little bit is cost of transportation and and the cost yeah. of the feed itself um you know thankfully uh we're so close so we're not seeing huge fuel surcharges on our feed because we're within 10 miles of our mill um but i can't speak for that for everybody yeah yeah john what about you what are you dealing with uh well i'm, I'm a crop producer also so i you know i'm Part of me likes to see $6, $7 corn, but then the turkey farmer me doesn't like to see it. My feed comes from 150 miles away, 300 mile round trip for every feed truck. Um, but it's all about the nutrition. You know, it's um, if we can get a quality feed from further away, we'll, we'll gladly pay that shipping cost. But yeah, between uh, logistics of shipping, high corn prices and, you know, labor costs going up, we're definitely seeing some higher higher um, input costs around the board. Okay. All right. So... Ben, if I remember seeing right, you're a third generation turkey producer. Is that right? Yes, uh, married into this operation, so I can't okay. say uh, all on my own here. So, wife's family farm, but we're on our third, and I believe the uh, we actually have our fourth generation uh, coming onto the farm here as well. One graduated, and one to graduate here in May, uh, this coming May. So, adding oh. the fourth generation. Back as well. Okay, that that that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, oh, it, it's been rewarding for you. It sounds like. Uh, are you going to encourage that next generation to be a turkey producer? Most certainly. Uh, you know, we still need uh, 
many farmers to do what what we continue to do um, and not just one farmer or two farmers can do it all so we continue to hope to, to bring back the next generation and and kind of cultivate and, and show what what we do day to day and hopefully they can improve on that and show us new ways to do it uh, as times change yeah what about you John are you encouraging the next gen yeah, you know, my dad started raising turkeys in the 1950s, so we've had turkeys on this farm for over 70 years now. My son is eight years old, and I'll definitely, you know, encourage him and provide him with the opportunity if he chooses to go this route. Sure. Obviously, there's other things you can do, um, animal science, nutrition, um, working at the Iowa Research Center, you know, other, other areas in agriculture you can do too. But if he wants to be a producer and be a farmer, I'm, I'm all for that if he chooses such. Gotcha. Gotcha. Real quick, John. Why did you decide to get into a leadership role in the industry at the National Turkey Federation? <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess I just saw a void. You know, um, the nice thing about the National Turkey Federation is it represents all segments of the industry, not just the processors um, or the, you know, the uh, allied industries, but also the growers and the farmers. So it's, it's tough to be a farmer, but then take time out of your day to you know, go out to D.C. and lobby. And I just see an incredible value in there. And I had the ability to do it. So I, I stepped up and luckily good. I have a lot of support from the other farmers in the area. Good, 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 good. Ben, I'm going to have you back on sometime soon. We'll ask you the same question about why you've decided to uh, invest some time and serve as the president of the Iowa Turkey Federation. We're going to keep both your numbers handy. When, when something comes up, we'll be reaching out to you. Ben, thank you so much for making time. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Chip. See you later. John, John, same to you. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Thank you. Eat lots of turkey for us. <laughs> you know we will. Thank you both for being on the show today. Come back this afternoon. Karen Braun from Reuters.